great design for me coming from the agency world for a long time. It was kind of like, what was the slickest? What was the most beautiful? What was, you know, what would win awards? But the idea of impact really cemented itself as the top priority during my time at Facebook, where it's like, it really doesn't matter how sexy it looks or how beautiful it looks. All right, everyone, welcome back to Quick Coffee, another episode. We're super excited to be here with Ben today. Ben was one of the first designers at Facebook and is now co-founder and managing partner at Designer Fund, which is actually one of the first um, VCs that, you know, works with incredible designers and founders around the world and is based in the Bay Area. They've done incredible investments, Notion, Stripe, Framer, just to mention a few. Ben, thanks so much for joining us today. It's an incredible to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Let's start a little bit with the early story of yours. The other day we were chatting about, you know, your early days at Facebook as a designer. Could you take us back to this time? How did you end up joining the firm and how did you end up meeting Mark? Uh, yeah, so in, in 2006, I was working at, uh, at the time it was an agency. So I was the de design director of the agency and we were a web development shop. We did a lot of e-commerce product, uh, e-commerce sites. And a friend of mine, uh, was looking for design leads at a, at a startup in Palo Alto. And the only thing I knew about this company was that we had some interns at our company and I would catch them on this thing constantly. So there were two interns that I would always just see them on this, this Facebook site. And then all of a sudden I get this call from, from a friend. He says, Hey, we, I work at Facebook and we're looking for design leads. Would you, would you be willing to come up and meet the team and, and just kind of see meet folks? It, it, they didn't even uh, frame it as a, an interview, but I was so intrigued by the idea of this thing that is just so addictive that, <laughs> that young people just seem like they couldn't, they couldn't stop uh, looking at it all day long. And also it was in Palo Alto where uh, my older brother lived. And so I thought, why not? Let's go for the weekend, visit, visit this company and, and see what it's about. And I would say that weekend really changed, well, clearly changed my life, but also really changed my perspective of what, what a incredible company looks like from, from within the uh, company at the time. I think they, they must've been a little bit under hundred employees and to just see, I mean, all of them were in their twenties, early twenties, probably. Wow. Uh, and I was 27. I just felt like a, a grandpa at the time, but they were just so in there. I mean, they were like living and breathing, uh, the product. And so it was, it was on the weekend, but everyone was working on it and hanging out together. And it was kind of, it, it did have this co college like feel where everyone was just living and working and all in the same space. And so after that weekend, I basically Uh, flew back to LA and thought, man, I, that feels like the big leagues. You know, it's like, uh, I guess for you guys, it'd be like Champions League. For me, it, it felt like the NBA. All of a sudden, <laughs> you, all of a sudden, you realize like where the best people are are building, and 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 if I wanted to be the best, that this is probably where I had to be. And and it didn't. It wasn't overnight. I mean, it did take like every couple of weeks. Mark would call me and just let me know about things that they were working on and hey we could really use more design help and what about this thing and that thing and we'd get into hour hour and a half long conversations and uh after a few months i decided man i i just keep thinking about this thing i can't let it go you know 
And, and, and I do think that one of the frameworks I've used a lot through life is when there's something that you're spending your nights and weekends thinking about, that's mm-hmm. probably kind of like where your heart wants mm-hmm. to be. And so even though I was at, at the agency at the time, I just found myself thinking about these Facebook problems before I was there even. And eventually mm-hmm. I just said, man, I, I think I got to do this. I got, I, I got to be on the inside and, and work on this stuff. It's just too compelling not to. And was it more the people or generally the problems that you would be able to solve with design that eventually, you know, convinced you to join the firm? I, it was a mix of the two things. I think, you know, uh, e-commerce work, it's, it's valuable work. It's important work. And, and especially now what we see what's happening with Shopify and the, and the law, making that available to the long tail of people, how, how you can create prosperity for so many people that way. At the time at my agency, we were kind of working on these e-commerce sites for bigger companies. But then you come to Facebook and you're helping friend connect with a friend, you know, across across the, the United States. And it just felt so much more like this, like a visceral impact on humans and, and their lives. So the problem was definitely much more intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the people were incredible, right? It's just like at the time you had a mix of people who had kind of the resume, right? The kids from like Harvard, Stanford, MIT, Mm. but you also had people who got there by sheer kind of like grit and weirdness. You know, we had kids who were, uh, one guy who basically hacked the site and, uh, one of our, not Mark, but one of our co-founders flew over there to meet with it, like in, in, in the middle of America, he, he flew to meet with, meet with a kid that he thought he was getting arrested. And, uh, he was actually going over there to offer him a job. He just said, we were really impressed with the way you like broke into the site. And so we had a bunch of people like that who basically were, they didn't go to Harvard or MIT or Stanford, but they were incredible engineers and incredible hackers and just kind of knew their way around systems and things like that. And, and they were brought in too. And so you had kind of this mix of weird, quirky people, incredibly smart people. And then the, and then it was the impact, right? So even then, even though it, the number sounds small now, it was, you know, tens of millions of people on the site at the time. But when you look at a room of 70 or 80 people and you say, wow, each one of us is, you know, if you kind of divide it, it's almost like each one of us is responsible for half a million people or a million people it feels really powerful. And so that that mix of people and product really got me in the end. And when you think about your time as a designer, right, what are some of the things that shaped you at the time, you know, at Facebook and working closely with Mark and Shamath so closely, what are some of the things that, you know, truly, yeah, shaped you along the way? I think I, I really kind of internalized the idea of impact. As a designer, I think, especially coming from, I came from like a formal design education, almost like it was a mix of design and fine art. And the reality, you know, when you think about like pure art, right, is, is very much about you and self-expression and it, it, you know, I, I, I do think great art has impact, but that's not necessarily what it's like judged by. Whereas great design for me coming from the agency world for a long time, it was kind of like, what was the slickest? What was the most beautiful? What was, you know, uh, what would win awards? But the idea of impact really cemented itself as the top priority during my time at Facebook, where it's like, it really doesn't matter how sexy it looks or how beautiful it looks like, does it work well? And if mm. it doesn't work well, it does not matter. 
how beautiful it looks. And I recently saw someone posted uh, like a sign-up flow, the Facebook sign-up flow. It's the same one that I had when I was there, right? It's like 15 years old. And you can see they haven't even updated the button to the new button styles, right? It's it's using the old 20, 2009, 2010 buttons. And people are like, well, why does this still exist? It's because that's worked. No one has been able to out work that thing like mm. designers have tried to improve it and make it more beautiful and elegant or whatever and it always so it always underperforms and so it's just stayed the way it has because it's like this you know it's the mount everest is the login page no one's been able to out, outdo what we've had there so so yeah so i would say like i really internalized the power of impact there and speed and scale as <laughs> uh the real drivers for like a true north of of principle as opposed to beauty and award and you know things that just like feel slick yeah it's 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 so interesting because when you when you when you think about it you know i think a lot of people push a redesign for the sake of a redesign right but it actually you know once you have something that really truly works it happens so rarely that you know staying with a with a design that works is 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 really often the most most powerful move to make even over the course of so many years which is which is very interesting because I feel like oftentimes there is a drive within an organization to to just design something new for the sake of you know having something to do, but it really it needs this discipline to to make sure that what you have and what's working you actually keep working. Yeah, I mean designers are we're notorious for this, right? We like everyone wants to like redesign their website, their own website, right? Like your personal site. Every you know every year someone you, you want to like redesign your site because you know it's not good enough or whatever it is. And I think that carries on into companies like, yeah, you, uh, designers kind of have the sense of if something doesn't look like it's fitting the modern aesthetic or, or what they think is expected of the company, uh, of a modern company, it's really enticing to try to like redesign or improve or something. But I think what is really important for designers to grok is like, you need to look at what are the things that your company really needs right now? And it could be that I'll give you like a, a good example of this. I don't think I told you guys this story, but there was a designer I was talking to who was trying to update their UI system for their company. And uh, he was telling me how he couldn't get the CEO to just look at the work to give him approval to move forward, right? And he was the only designer at this company. And I said, well, why is that? Like, well, why, is, why doesn't the CEO think redesigning the, the UI framework? Because it's a scalable thing to do, right? Is uh, rebuild a UI framework. And he said, well, he's so busy on fundraising right now. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense that a CEO is busy on fundraising. And I said, um, why is he so busy on fundraising? He goes, well, we're you know a few months from running out of money. <laughs> and I kind of paused and I said, wait a second. You're the only designer at the company. Your CEO is desperately trying to raise money to keep this thing afloat. And you're over here trying to like redesign the UI framework. You know, talk about like someone who's like polishing the the tables on the Titanic or something. Yes. It's like, you're working on the wrong fucking thing, man. Mm -hmm. Like go to the CEO. Have you seen the deck that you're trying to, re to raise money with? Have you seen the story behind that? Like go help with that, you know? Go, go, go find out who of your friends or who knows someone that can help raise, you know, it's like, go be all hands. This is not a big company, right? We're not talking hundreds of people. This is like dozens of people. And you got to think like a business owner at that point. Uh, so of course he's not 
looking at your UI framework definitely, right now, definitely, right? Like, definitely, come yeah. on. So I think that's the stuff where for me, it's, it became second nature to always ask those questions. You know, what data do we have uh, that tells us that this is an important problem to fix? Uh, mm. What information do we have that this is critical to the company right now? Those are the questions I, I be, that got to be second nature while working at Facebook, as opposed to like, you know, should this be, and I look, I'm a craftsperson, so I, I still love this stuff. You know, should this be 24 pixels or 26 sure. pixels or 28, you know, that stuff is fine. But if you're, if you're spending two or three uh, days at an early stage company thinking about like the, the, the width of rounded corners, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, one thing that, that I noticed and, and it, it was really interesting to me when we were sp speaking for the first time was really how closely involved, especially in, in, with your work also, Mark Zuckerberg used to be at, at the time. Yeah. And, and, and what I've noticed over the last years is that, you know, there has always been this notion of, you know, let the, let the team be very independent, right? Like for people managers or managers to kind of remove themselves and give the team a lot of freedom. And then you come across once in a while still kind of CEOs or company leaders that are very deep in the details. And how have you come to think about that? What, what do you recommend founders from this perspective? Because it feels like the really, really great product driven company leaders and CEOs they they are very deep in the details right they, they i mean they they're they're literally looking at the screen so what's been your take on that having having experienced it also as a team member well I'll ta okay I'll, I'll, i'm just going to share stories because i think short stories are the best way to like communicate some of this stuff so one of the things so we used to have we had an amazing chef at facebook chef joseph and he passed away and uh was an amazing guy and i took this like uh leadership workshop with him and it was really funny it was like a leadership workshop with engineers and designers and like a chef and like someone from legal, you know? So I, I, th I thought it was, it was pretty interesting to get the different perspectives. And one of the things he told me when he worked at a really nice restaurant, he used to send as the head chef, he would send back every like 10th or 12th dish, regardless of if it was good or not. And he, he told me he, he would basically like take the dish, kind of look at it and be like, well, redo it. And the person who, who made it is like, well, what's wrong with it? And he'd go, well, taste it. You tell me what's wrong with it. And he's like, inevitably, you know, they try the sauce. They try, they're like, okay, I guess this could be improved. This can be improved. But it, it basically, um, it, it, it let, it created an environment where people were like, oh, he is like, everything needs to be perfect or else this guy's going to catch it. Right. Mm. And he would only do this for like a, a certain time period, but it basically let them know, like, do not get complacent complacent because I'm I'm kind of, I'm coming in here and, and kind of sweating the details. And so Mark, I think, was really good about like he had this incredible memory. So it's not that he would it's not that he would come in and be like, change this, you know, change this, change this, change this. Just, there'd be like one or two things he he really cared about. And it made you realize that he was sweating details in a way that you didn't realize. So so an example with him, like one time he came and sat down and he wanted to talk about this type, some typography I had on the page. And I was like, I was like, really, this is the thing. Like, I mean, you're the seat, like, you want to go talk, go talk about six pixels or eight pixels or seven pixels. And he goes, yeah, 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 I do. I go, okay. And he goes, okay, let's try eight pixels. And I, you know, I would change, I would change the letting to eight pixels and he'd look at it. He's like, make it seven pixels. 
Okay. okay. It's, it's, it's so and in, in it's my so head, I'm just like, what are we doing right now? What are we doing? And, but, but what he did, and then eventually we like landed on eight pixels and he, he's like, yeah, that looks good. And he walked away. And in my head after that, I, I just basically thought to myself, oh my God, he, I, I cannot basically like not sweat these details because he's going to, he, one of these things might be a thing he cares about. And when it is, yes. he will fucking catch it. Like if the thing looks a little off, if it's not exactly aligned, like it's not like, oh, he just doesn't see, he might not have time for all those things, but it basically let me know, like if things look off, he, he does have the eye now to catch it. And he, and that kind of let me know that. Right. And so that, that, you know, we used to say like move fast and break things. And people just thought like that meant like be sloppy, but really it, it really just meant move fast. Like, and don't be afraid to like make mistakes, but, but that was never a way for you to just be sloppy about your work. And, and his memory was incredible. And he would remember stuff like that. And I'll give you two other things, what made him really exceptional. So he was very big on culture and, and wanting to build like an exceptional culture at Facebook. And there was a, a, a I remember a Tuesday where he came to me, he goes, Hey Ben, you know, I was kind of thinking it'd be cool to make this shirt. And he had an idea for a shirt with like a hand in the air and fist, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm designing the blog. I'm designing the platform, like fucking t-shirts, man. Like, you know, what are we doing here? Like, and, and he just kind of walked by and it was, it, it, he, it took 20 seconds for him to mention the thing. And in my head, I thought, you know, it's just a little idea he had. He's not going to remember this thing. He has hundreds of these conversations a day. And I just kind of ignored it. A few days later, he walks by, walks by my computer. He goes, Hey, how, how's the t-shirt? coming along. <laughs> I'm like, what do, you mean how, what do you mean how it's coming along? That thing you just kind of like, I thought that was just like a thing you mentioned. He's like, no, I really want to do it. And I go, what, you know, oh, how many, how many of these kind of things are you doing? And he would do that. You know, my wife worked at Facebook too. And she had an incident where we, we, we had these all hands. We would ask questions in all hands. Some questions were terrible. Some, some questions were fine, you know, whatever. But she had this really good question. She asked of him uh, at one of the all hands and he kind of like, it, he gave a non-answer and we all kind of looked at each other and nah, that was kind of a non-answer, but you know, it is what it is. It's an all hands, whatever. A week and a half later at two 30 in the morning, she gets this email and it says, Hey, um, you asked this question at an all hands a week and a half ago. And I've been thinking about it. And like, I gave you, a, I, I gave a non-answer. That was not a good answer. And here's like what I really think. It was like a page and a half. And she wasn't like an executive, you know, she was one of the employees and one of the employees who asked the question. And here's the guy at 2.30 in the morning, a week and a half later, and still kind of, you know, his, his to-do list is hundreds long. And he's like, I'm going to get to every one of these things. So that was, that was like his incredible superpower. So anyhow, so I, I say all this to, to let founders know kind of this like idea of like a culture of excellence starts with them. And there's so many things like that, that you can do as a founder to set the stage and, and let people know that, Hey, like, this is the kind of work that is expected of you here. Um, exactly. And, and, this uh, is what follow suit. Yeah. And you kind of saw that, you know, the, the whole Sam Altman thing that just happened. Yeah. You know, people wow. are just like, what is this? What is, why, yeah. why are people following this guy like this? And I think yeah. he, it, it's, it's, it's that leadership, right. And that, that, that people yeah. know he's wired that way. And he goes and in the stories that have come out about him just doing exactly what I, what I kind of mentioned Zuck does where he's just behind the scenes advocating yeah. for people when they didn't expect it, doing things at weird hours for people when they didn't expect it. And yeah. he just goes that extra mile and, you know, that extra mile for folks. And, 
look at that loyalty from, from hundreds of people. So, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Super interesting. I mean, talking about founders, uh, you know, today you spend a lot of time working with founders and yeah, after right. several years at Facebook, you transitioned into VC and you, you know, I remember when you said you started designer fund and you were telling a little bit the story of, of how all of this started and this unusual combination of, you know, turning, combining venture capital with design and design expertise and support, design yeah. support. Yeah. What motivated you to transition into venture capital? What was the underlying reasons for, you know, giving up your design job and starting to become an investor? Yeah. And I, so I, I think I'm wired like many designers these days where there's a certain learning curve. Actually, you know, maybe I take that back. There's probably two types mm -hmm. of people, two types of designers. There's designers who kind of like love being 80% at like a lot of things, right? And you probably know these kind of folks. It's like, hey, I'm super into like uh, pottery this, you know, for the next like four to six months, I'll super like get into pottery and they get like pretty good. And then, that, and then the next thing I'm going to be doing woodworking and then like knitting and then, you know, oh, whatever it is. So I, I think designers like we're craftspeople. We want to learn all sorts of different crafts and making and, and we're kind of like learners, right? So that's one archetype. And then another archetype is someone who they just want to be the best at the thing, right? So like Jessica Hish, who's like an incredible letter. She's just like the best in the world. And she just like gets better and better and better and better and just does the thing over and over and over. And, and so I think that uh, I am wired more like the first archetype where once I get to feeling like I know how to do something pretty well, my attention wanes. And so I, I, I basically got to the point at Facebook where I kind of felt like I knew how to do my job really well. And there was like more juice to squeeze out of there, you know, and the company is always changing. And, there's, there's, and by the way, now it's, it's, if I wasn't a VC, maybe like Facebook would be again, like a place I would go work. Uh, you know, they, there's a bunch of really interesting stuff happening there uh, once again. But at the time I, I, I got to a point where I just felt like, man, I really, I kind of know what's expected of me. And, and I was kind of like going through the motions a little bit. The second thing that was happening was because of our success, I started getting a lot of people emailing me asking for design help. And it was kind of the first time at Facebook that all of a sudden I started getting emails from outside. We were a very insular company as far as product design and engineering goes. You almost rarely got emails to your Facebook email from people outside the company. We just worked with one another and that was your whole world. And then 2010, All of a sudden, I started getting emails from people I'd never met. Hey, I'm a founder. Hey, I'm an investor in such and such. Can you help? I heard you were one of the design leads. Can you help with design? And what started to get me concerned was that these were companies that were two or three years old, raised millions of dollars. And these people are only now thinking about investing in design. And when I started looking at these products, you know, some of them were unusable. And I just think, I started thinking like, oh my gosh, the hospitals we all go to, the schools our kids are going to go to, the financial institutions we're going to rely on, all of them are going to run on this software that designers have not touched. And what does that mean? It means, it means schools are going to be confused. It means doctors that are taking too long to, to, to make their diagnosis and are typing, you know, spending half their time typing on a computer instead of looking at patients. It means financial institutions that are confused about where money's flowing and how, how deposits are being made and all this stuff. And I just started thinking about this, this world where design is absent and all the tools and products and services that we all use. 
And, and it kind of got me afraid of that world. And mm. I was like, well, what am I, what can I do? I mean, you know, I'm just a designer, what, what can I do? And I started talking to all these investors and I just realized like, oh, sowers, right? You're the ones planting all the seeds and, and creating the, and, and uh, moving the direction or pushing these companies into a certain direction. And, and there aren't that many of you mm. and none of you are from the design background. And so why is that? Why don't we see more designers as, as VCs and as the people who are helping to plant these seeds and helping to set the direction and set the values for these companies so that when there are these big trees, that design is kind of baked in. Um, from the beginning. From the beginning. Uh, because to do it once the company is 100 or 200 uh, employees uh, large is very, very difficult. It's possible, but it's very difficult. And so I thought, well, wow, what an opportunity. It's like, I can both learn this whole new craft and have this incredible impact where it's not just impacting one company, it's impacting this whole ecosystem. And that challenge was super scary and also super exciting for me. And I remember there was actually, you mentioned Chamath, one of the things Chamath uh, told me that I thought was really, I, I don't I, you know, now it's like, did he tell me this or did I hear this in the podcast? But anyhow, that you should basically <laughs> be afraid like three days out of five walking into a company. And if you're not, you're probably like in the wrong place. You know, it just means you're too, you're too complacent if you don't have fear at least a few days a week. And I thought that was really, you know, when I thought about it, I, I said, okay, I, I certainly don't have that walking in the door every day, year five at Facebook, but the idea of becoming an investor and figuring all that out and would I be good and would I seem like a fake, you know, like a phony in there and like, well, what would it take to succeed? That seemed really scary. And I thought, man, this def I'll definitely be afraid at least three days a week with that. That's um, amazing. So, so that's kind of what, what got me to, 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 to make that move. Incredible. Such an incredible, incredible journey. And now it's been 10 years, right? It's been 10 years into the game, more than 10 years at Designer Front. Right. Yeah. And, and sorry, I, I should also say Enrique Allen, who's my partner, was probably <laughs> the third big catalyst because he was already a designer at 500 Startups. And mm -hmm. he, he was also like, oh, well. I, yeah. And he was one of the few people who actually had a little bit of a a, a look into the ecosystem from the inside. And he kind of came to the same conclusion that, hey, we need more, better design at early stage companies. We need VCs that have this. And no, one, no one's kind of, um, no one's giving us our shot, you know? And, and he, was, he was a big catalyst in being a partner for me to like, think about, okay, like, could we actually do this? What would it look like? And, and we would push and pull off each other. And I think that was another thing that, that let me feel like there was, a, you know, there was a little bit of safety there in that I had a partner doing that. I wouldn't be doing, doing this alone. I would have a partner kind of like what you guys are yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. as a last question, when you when when thinking about designer fund, right, and especially all the founders listening, um, listening, uh, quick coffee. How you know what are some of the things that uh, that founders can expect when designer fund does an investment? What are some some of the things that you are offering founders in terms of design support and design help? Yeah. So we we've we've done a lot about the different kinds of support we give, and actually we have a. A partnership program now you can go to designerfund.com partnership to get a sense of how we think about the support but from day one we were very big on we didn't want to be your design agency right there are plenty of great design agencies plenty of great freelance designers and we thought the unique point of view 
that we could add is basically, how do we teach you how to fish? How do we teach you how to have great design within your company uh, that, that you execute it as well as you do great engineering or great operations? Because I think too often what people think is like, oh, engineering is really important. We definitely need to hire engineers. You know, operational excellence, we definitely want to do that. We're not outsourcing that. Huh, design, we'll just get an agency. You know, oh, we'll just hire a mm. freelancer, you know? Mm. Um, and I think the, the thing that we try to uh, instill in our founders and our companies is like, no, great design is super important to have in-house. It's fine to work with agencies. It's fine to work with freelancers, but it's really important for you to have that core capability in-house. And mm -hmm. so for us, we have this holistic way of getting you there. So what does that look like? It's like one is helping you hire exceptional people whether it be full-time, part-time, freelancers, but we want to make sure that you're hiring incredible people to do the work that you need to do. Uh, mm. If you hire people in-house, well, how do we make sure we get the best work out of them? How do we make sure they feel supported? If you all have ever been a solo designer at one of these startups, it can be super lonely. How do we be Definitely. that advocate for you? How do we be interim manager for you if, if you need that? How do we connect mm. you to a great community if you need that? So we do that. Design advice. So often, again, if you're one or two designers and you kind of reach big milestones and you want feedback from great, great designers, we can offer that either ourselves or some of the great advisors that we have or people in our community. And then uh, speaking of community, it's another big piece uh, for companies. We get you in front of exceptional designers, uh, in front of an ex exceptional design community so that designers know, hey, this is a company that values design and loves design. And designers should think about as, as, as one of the places that they want to go work. And then the last piece is helping you fundraise. I think design and brand and storytelling are incredible components to, to raising capital. And over the last 10 years, we've really learned about how to do that well and, and kind of the pitfalls of, uh, that some people get into when not creating a really compelling story. So uh, mm -hmm. we help with fundraising support as well. So those are kind of the key areas. Super cool. Yeah, super cool. And I have to say, since we first spoke, I think you have you you and Designer Fund have really become an inspiration um, for both Felix and me, because with also the, the quick coffee and the angel investments and kind of this product and design focus, I think over here in Europe, right, we often we oftentimes also felt this need of, hey, there should be more of this in the ecosystem. And then we, we meet you and we, we kind of learn, hey, there's there there are these two partners that really had to have have been having this vision for a long time. And kind of you know have seen this need or saw this need early on for the right support in the in, in a company in the earliest stage right and making sure that you know even if you have an outside support at the very beginning how can you make sure that you internalize what is most powerful about the product right and when you think about it, it makes so much sense yeah that with all the support that investors can provide you know you have to ultimately care so much about the product and the design and everything that goes into really crafting the best possible product experience. So, so as we are wrapping up here, maybe one, one final short question, what's a kind of content piece, book, podcast, and is something that has recently inspired you that you think more people should be aware of? And then, uh, and then we're going to wrap up uh, the, the quick coffee here. Oh, that's a great question. So then I'm, I'm sort of plugging a friend of mine, but it's something I keep So I have a friend, Craig Mon, who's, a, who's an incredible writer. And he has this book called Kisa by Kisa. And it's at first I, I kind of bought it. He's, he's a great writer and I bought it. You know, you buy it like partially, hey, you're a good friend. Partially, I, I like his writing. And then I get this thing and it's, it's a book. And it's just this like part 
it's almost like being, it's part art gallery exhibit, part hero's journey, part like a window into this society that you've never looked at. It's just, it's such a unique experience of a book that I've never had before or since. Um, And so I highly recommend getting that book and just kind of like sitting down with it. And it only takes like a a couple of days, two, three days. And and it's funny because he pitches it as this like, oh, it's him looking for great pizza toast. That's kind of the the thing, the idea of the book in Japan. So he's like going to these, he says are these little coffee shops and he's kind of like on this journey to find the best pizza mm-hmm. toast. And what you find is through that journey that actually this book is nothing, it has nothing to do with pizza toast and it has all <laughs> sorts of things to do with life and mm-hmm. self-reflection and uh, being present and people and humanity and connection. It's just, it's just incredible. Yeah. So I, I and I'm maybe not making it more, maybe I was in a, a mind state when I was reading it, that was kind of that kind of mindset, but I, I highly recommend that book and spending a few days with it. It's just also a beautiful book. So anyhow, you can go to his, his website, Craig Mod. I think it's Craig Mod. We'll link it in the notes. Okay. Fantastic. Amazing. And, and he has, I haven't read this yet, so we'll see. I think he just he yeah. has a new book called things become other things. And I'm really curious to read it, but he's a book he said you could get right now. Amazing. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening in. Ben, thanks so much for being here and being on the show yeah. um, and, and you know, sharing your journey as a designer, as an investor. What a chat. And uh, we're looking forward to speaking next. Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Best of luck. Thank you very much. And uh, go check out Designer Fund uh, and uh, connect with Ben. Sounds Thank good. you, Ben. Thanks, guys.